Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. It's good to see you guys. What a joy it is to be at this church. I love this church. You love your church, everybody? Y'all go to a great church. You're really in a, you're in a great church, and uh, I'm glad to be here. And uh, as Jeff said, uh, we are very, very, very close friends. And it's always good to have somebody, you know, you can just call in any situation, and they, they pick up the phone, and they're with you no, matter what you no matter what you tell them. I sure hope you have that, everybody. I hope you have a friend. You ought to find them right here in this church, but a friend which you can call. And I just, I just want to say in front of all your people, I don't really, I think of all the pastors that I'm friends with, you have the best pastor who's like a pastor, like really loves people and loves, he talks about you guys so much. Show some crazy love to your pastors. Come on, Jeff and Brandy, and I love you guys so much. And I honor you guys, and I am delighted to be here. It's gonna be a lot of fun uh, tonight. I was stirred by the, by the prayer environment when we pulled in uh, about 6.15, man, the parking lot was already filled, and you guys were in here seeking God, and how many of y'all believe prayer still works? Amen, everybody, yeah. And, um, and it's just exciting to see, and I love hearing the testimonies. And when you were sharing the testimony uh, up here on the stage, it reminded me when one of the first years that we had 21 days of prayer and fasting at our church, uh, we were in a little small office complex area, and, um, and this, um, this lady had made it known that she was had a hard time getting pregnant, and so we were probably on day 16 or so. We were there early in the morning having this prayer service, and she used to pray like over in this section, and then when we were praying on our own, we have time on our own, she was just sitting over there, and she was kneeling, and I'll never forget this. I'm a pacer, so I was just going back and forth across the front, just seeking the Lord, and she pops up and runs to the front and says, I just got pregnant. And I said, I didn't see nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about all that, you know, just so. And, and I said, well, that's praise the Lord, but you mind going to the doctor and confirming that? And, and she had had four doctors tell her she would never have kids. She had endometriosis, and she was at this stage that there was just no way. They told her, you have absolutely no chance. That lady not only has one, she has four beautiful boys. Give God some praise, everybody. And I just want to encourage him. I want to encourage you, the great physician has not closed shop. Say a good amen right there, everybody. And, um, and so anyway, I, I, am, I am fired up about this season of prayer and fasting. There's a bunch of believers around the world right now that are seeking God and fasting and praying and to be counted among them. You know, literally millions of people around the world right now are setting aside this time. And so good job, Milestone, and I'm glad to be here uh, tonight to help you a little bit. I really do believe that what I'm going to share with you I really don't really want to preach to you. I want to give you a tool that I learned a long time ago that I will put in the top three things that has revolutionized my Christian life. And that's not an exaggeration. What I'm going to share with you, if you can get it, I normally actually don't share it. It's kind of deep into the pool. It's a, it's a, it can be a little complicated to understand, but it helped me so much. And I'm going to do the best I can uh, to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, right? I'm going I'm to make it something that I think uh, many people see as complex. I'm going to make it as simple as I can tonight. Um, how many of y'all know uh, America needs revival? Does anybody realize that right now? Yeah, and I don't want to go through the litany of all the things that are going on. You know them. I mean, we have, our, our nation's a mess right now. And I'm not talking about from a political standpoint. You know, I'm talking about from a moral standpoint. We are, we're in great, we're in decadence. We're in complete moral decay right now. And what's being normalized and accepted, I mean, I mean, I don't have to go through the list. You know it. It's just, it's, 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 um, it's actually offends me a little bit. It's happening, you know, on, in, in our, on our watch, you know, and to see the nation in this, in our nation in this tumble. I will encourage you, um, this is not on the screen. It's just coming out of my mind right now. But, you know, when Jesus talked about the end times, he said there would be two things happening simultaneously. And one of them is that actually there's going to be a great number of people who call themselves Christians who are going to fall, fall away. He said many are going to fall away, actually. And what, he didn't even say a few. He says, and because of the increase of wickedness, the love for God of most is going to grow cold. So you're going to see that. And, we're, and according to studies, we don't see it here. We see an on-fire, packed-out church, 
but, 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 but across our nation right now, there is a falling away happening by a lot, and, and there's some bad teaching out there. The teaching's gotten, um, you know, away from the Word of God, and, and they're, they're ashamed to talk about the things that culture is dealing with right now. And anyway, it's causing some issues, and people are falling away. But the next verse says in that passage in Matthew 24, and this gospel will be preached to all nations as a testimony, and then the end will come. And so God says, that's gonna, it's going to happen simultaneously, this, this, this great falling away and then this massive revival at the same time. And I just encourage you, there are about 200 nations in the world um, uh, about, and, and, but, but in, of the nations of the world, if there were 200, there are 183 of them that the gospel is growing faster than population. Like the gospel is growing so fast around the world and you would never see that, but I'm gonna tell you, there are places all across all the stands right now, massive revival taking place. There's revival taking place in Iran, in Iraq. There's, the revival's taking place all across. There are only 17 nations of the world where the gospel is either flat or in stasis or in decline. America happens to be one of the 17, unfortunately, which is why we do need to pray for revival. But you should be encouraged that when you see all these things happening, the Bible says, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. And I'm going to tell you, God is on the move. Give him some praise right now. Come on, like you really mean it. If you're going to do it, no golf tournament clapping. Come on, praise God. All right. But our nation, our nation needs revival. Okay, well, here's the catch to that. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, God says, when I shut up the heavens. So I'm going to show you this verse, when I shut up the heavens, which that's just concerning right there all by itself. Because you would think it says, when the devil shuts up the heavens. You know, when the devil gets so busy. You know, we had one lady at our church I grew up in, and she, I'd say, how are you doing? She goes, oh, the devil just be so busy this week. You know, it's just like... Um, <laughs> You would think it would say when, when, when the devil shuts up the heaven, but God actually will divinely abandon you whenever you ignore him. And you just need to know that. God will remove this hand. If you read Romans 1, it says he gave them over to their lust. So he'll, he'll allow it to happen. And that's what he's talking about here. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and say it aloud and, and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. That's every one of our individual responsibility, by the way, is to find that thing that we know grieves God and get rid of it. <laughs> Okay, there has never been a revival in any place in history that did not have prayer and repentance in it. Never has happened. So it's not gonna happen with us either. If we don't really seek God, pray, and then also turn from our wicked ways. But if we do, then I will hear from heaven. They're gonna hear, we'll hear from heaven. God will forgive our sin and heal our land. And I'm believing God for that. A.T. Pearson said, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that not, did not begin with united prayer. So way to go, Milestone. Here you are starting this year off uh, in, this, in this season of prepare and, and seeking God. And I, I took some time off during the Thanksgiving break. We actually do a series where I can pre-record the messages. And so it allows me to just have, a, well, I'm preaching, but I'm not. Like I can be at, take off for a couple of weeks. And the Lord had me spending about, you know, four to six hours every day studying revival. And I actually studied every revival from the, from the Reformation to the Jesus movement. So I literally studied every single one of them. And it, it's, fa it's a fascinating study. In fact, if you want to go to a fascinating study, just go study the college revivals in America. Go look how godly Harvard used to be. It was a seminary sending out students who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Princeton had a pledge that, that they would start every day in prayer to the Lord Jesus and end every day in prayer to the Lord Jesus and that every student should find themselves praying somewhere in between all of that. I mean, these were godly places, and of course, we've lost our way in our country, but, but, but again, every time you see revival, every revival... There were a group of people praying, repenting and praying and seeking God. The problem with prayer is, if we're just very real, I don't ever meet a Christian who thinks, who doesn't know like that's important. Like everybody knows, yeah, we need to pray. But tell me about your prayer life. Well, because I, I, if, you, if you grew up like I did, prayer wasn't even shown to you in an attractive way. 
Um, I grew up Baptist. How many Baptists out there? Where y'all at? Where y'all at? All right. You raised your hand in church. God will help you, Jesus. All right. Like this one guy went, I think I'm a Baptist, but I just can't get it up there, you know? So um, <laughs> um, that was a trick. Anyway, so, um, but I grew, up, I, grew up, I grew up Baptist. And if you grew up Baptist, you know, I actually, I was taught the word of God in my Baptist church long before I became a Christian. And, um, and I was taught prayer. Uh, it wasn't something I enjoyed. It's mainly because I didn't know Jesus, okay? So I couldn't connect with him. And uh, that was funnier in my head than in yours. Anyway, I just, yeah, it's kind of hard to pray to a God that you don't know. Anyway, so, um, but, so we had pr uh, these prayer moments that I felt like it was putting pressure on me. I don't know if you ever felt pressure at prayer. I don't know if you've ever been at a dinner table, especially in a public place, and then the guy across the table says, hey, John, why don't you lead us in prayer? And you ain't got no material. You know, like you don't know what to say. And so we had these, y'all remember circle prayer, you Baptists? Remember circle prayer in Sunday school? So the Sunday school teachers, all right, everybody, stand up. We're going to hold hands. And um, which I don't like that anyway, because you don't know where they put those hands. Anyway, but, um, and everybody's in a little circle. And then she says, I'm going to start and pray. And then I'm going to squeeze the hand of the person next to me. And then it's your turn. Well, you over here, like 12 people in the thing. And they're going to do every bit of your material before they get to you, right? And, you ever had that moment? And then there's always one in the group who can just wax eloquent, put it into King James. Oh, Lord, we praiseth thee, for thou unden sings my soul. I mean, they get it. They have every bit of the, all of that. Like God was from England. He's not. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, but anyway, I remember vividly so many times they get to me. I had my lines, but they used them. I don't know what to say. And it's just squeeze, squeeze. Just go right on around. Just get me, you know, just... I ain't got none, you know, so. <laughs> and then this is the one that cracks me up the most. We're going to a prayer meeting and like, does anybody have any prayer requests? And is there going to be someone? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. What is it? It's unspoken. It's like, bro, that's your problem. Spoke it. I <laughs> mean, you got to get it out there. That's the problem. Anyway, the old classic unspoken prayer request. What do you have? That's unspoken. I shall not speak it. Anyway, um. So I got saved, I got radically saved and spirit-filled at 15 years old. I mean, radically. I got saved, um, and then I actually went, uh, got uh, filled with the Spirit in a, in a, in a small group uh, at our church. And, man, my life changed dramatically, but I still didn't know how to pray. But I got mentored by my pastor, Larry Stockstill, my, at my home church in Louisiana, who's honestly the best prayer I know. I mean, this man spends hours and hours. He actually has... I believe the gift of intercession, which I definitely don't have. If it helps you any at all, by the way, um, I, most of the Christian life is very easy for me. Prayer is still a discipline. I've known the Lord for 45 years. I've been in ministry for 40. And I still have to discipline myself, learn. I mean, it's, it's not, I, it's just, so if that helps you at all. You know, I didn't ever get to a place where like, well, that's just easy now. And I know how to pray and I enjoy prayer but I still have to discipline myself to spend time with the Lord. But I, I started learning how to pray, and I picked up on some things that I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you one of them. But I learned models of prayer. And I don't know if you've ever been taught that, where they actually use patterns in the Bible, say they were actual prayer patterns, and you study the pattern, and you use the same pattern as if the pattern could help you really get close to God. So it'd be like somebody giving you advice about how to go out on a date. You want to get close to this person? Well, you want to go pick them up, and you might want to open their door, and then, like, you want to go to this place. You know, like, there's, a, there's like, a protocol to building relationship. In the same way, I was learning these patterns, and, of course, one of the first ones I learned was the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I heard it first from the man who popularized the Lord's Prayer as a prayer outline, not as a prayer, and that was Dr. Cho from Seoul, South Korea. Uh, he had a million people in his church. How many of y'all know that's more than all of us, right? Everybody, that's a lot of people. And he used to teach that, that God, Jesus never intended you to pray 26 seconds. It was never intended to be a prayer. You can pray it. There's nothing wrong with praying it. But it wasn't intended to be a prayer. It was a pattern for prayer. It was a model. And there are seven elements to the Lord's Prayer. And what if you took some time and you just spent time with our Father who, who art in heaven and relate to him as a father? And then hallowed be your name and spend time worshiping the names of the Lord. Your kingdom come. And now I'm just going to focus on God's agenda before I focused on mine. 
your will be done. Lord, I'm going to seek what you want from my life. Then I'm going to pray, give me this day my daily. And now we can talk about what I want, Lord. Give me this day my, and just learning and just walking through it. And I learned how to pray 30, 45, an hour using these outlines of prayer. And I loved it. But somewhere along in my discipleship with my pastor, he taught me something that I honestly, I rarely teach because again, it's hard for some people to understand. I think you guys are going to get it pretty easily. And I've, I've spent my life trying to equip people to understand how to pray. So even in my youth pastor days, I worked so hard to develop students who knew how to spend time with God. And literally, we would have, we'd have prayer and fasting retreats with, with high school students. We had Tuesday night prayer warriors. I called it prayer warriors on Tuesday night because we had a Wednesday night service. And there would easily be 200 students in my house on a Tuesday night praying the paint off the wall for an hour. But I had discipled them. I had trained them in some of these tools. And, and when we started Church of the Highlands, we'll be 22 years old next month to God be the glory. And when we started our church, our church didn't know how to pray or fast. We called a fast to start the church. <laughs> And then we started in these prayer times. And today, you know, we have these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we gather actually at 6 a.m. In a, in a city that's not as big as the Metroplex. It's easier to do where you can get people to actually gather that early, you know, because everybody lives closer to the church buildings. But, but we actually have 6 a.m. prayer. And, and there will be 10, 11, 12,000 people. We have to have police at 530 in the morning directing traffic because, because people love prayer so much. And, but it really, the, the, the goal, the, the, the reason why it worked um, wasn't because I inspired them to pray. I personally believe that everybody's sufficiently inspired. I just don't think people know what to do. And I think when you can give them some tools and some resources and you can tell them, here's how you can spend time with God, they actually like it. So I actually put it in stapled pages for years. Finally, we got it in a more of a formal booklet for years. But I, ju I did just recently, Pastor Jeff asked me, to, asked me to mention it. It just came out, a book that's called Pray First. And in it, it gives the five things that makes all prayer work. And that is you need to find the, you need to find the priority. You need to make it a priority because we don't just pray. We pray first. Prayer should not be your last response. It should be your first resort. Like we don't, we don't, <laughs> most people act first and then pray when they want God to bail them out. So they're praying, they're, pray, they're praying 9-11 prayers. Okay, I messed up. Help me, Jesus. But what if you prayed on the front end? What if you prayed before all of that? And so the priority, you need to find you a place. You need to have a plan. I'm going to give you one tonight. You need to understand the, how to pray powerful prayers. And honestly, a lot of you will never enjoy it until you understand James chapter 5 kind of praying. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person is the one that avails much. So if you want it to avail much, you, if we backload that verse, if you want your prayers to actually work, with, when, by the way, that's when they're fun. Like, if you pray it and it happens, you're going to pray. Okay, so if, you, so if you want your prayers to avail much, it comes when you're, and it's, a, it's fervent prayer. Energeo is the Greek word, where we get the word energy. And a lot of people don't pray with energy. Like, I grew up in the church, and we had a prayer meeting. If one person prayed, everybody else, this was the energy you got from the rest of the room. Mm. Mm. It's like... And in the Bible, they raised their voices together in prayer. The place where they were meeting was shaken because of their prayers. See the difference? And so we've got to get it to that New Testament place, but we want New Testament results. So we are, we're having this expectation, but we're living it out this way. So I want to help you with that. By the way, the fifth P, it's, it's priority, place, plan, power, and persons. Meaning you can relate to the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit differently because they are different. Because you relate to God in his fatherly role, in his love. Jesus because of the cross and his grace. The Holy Spirit because he's your friend. He's with you all the time. And understanding that. And then understanding these models of prayer. I put seven different models in the book. Fasting. All these things that help us. Well, all of a sudden what happens is now you're at a place where you actually enjoy it. So let me show you a verse out of Ephesians chapter 6. It says this. It says, pray in the Spirit in, say the next two words out loud, in. I'll try everybody this time. Pray in the Spirit in. 
Okay, that's the first thing I want to tell you is that if you'll take prayer not to a meeting or a moment in the morning or something like that, I'm just going to, no, no. What if you prayed all the time? That's where the Bible says pray without ceasing. How do you do that? I think you would take a whole lot more pressure off yourself of trying to like make it this one hour moment or this 15 minute moment. What if you're praying all the time? Before you answer that email, pray first. Some of you guys would be a whole lot better off if you would pray first before you sent that email or that text. Before that meeting, pray first. Before you go to bed, pray first. When you start your day, pray first. Like what would happen if you pray in every situation? You're gonna enjoy it. That's what Tammy and I do. Hey, I'm, I'm in Texas now. Hey, I'll be home in a little bit. Hey, and they're just like one sentence text in a conversation with somebody that I deeply love. What if your prayer life with God looked that way? Is anybody with me out there? Are y'all listening to me? Okay. But not only should we pray in every situation, keep that verse up there for a second, but use every kind of prayer and request there is, to which some people would say, well, I didn't know there were different kinds, and there are. And that's where it makes it fun, because now I'm mixing it up. So when I pray in the morning, when I spend my time with God, I go into that time with six or seven, eight different things that I can do to spend that time, and I mix it up. I don't have time to give them you, to you all. You can, if, you want, if you're interested in them, get the book and you can study them. But I'm gonna give you the one that I use 70% of the time. And honestly, I feel like I'm giving you something very precious. If you wanna know how I genuinely feel right now, I feel like I'm giving you, I'm almost giddy on the inside. Because I'm getting ready to give you the thing that revolutionized my Christian life. And, and I wanna, I wanna kind of give it to you but like I experience it, if that's okay. So I told Pastor Jeff, this could be a strange sermon message because I don't know if I'm gonna preach it or pray it in front of them. Like I may just, I might just go through the motions in front of you and show you how I spend time with God. I just, are y'all with me everybody? So let me set it up. In the book I call it the, pray, the prayer of Moses, but I learned it as the tabernacle prayer. Now, tabernacle, the tabernacle, for you guys, let me quickly catch you up. When Moses and the children of Israel, four million of them, were leaving Egypt, it took them 40 years to get what should have taken only a week to get to. But they spent 40 years wandering in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, the, the wilderness. They needed to have church while they were doing all of that, and they were eventually going to build a permanent building, and it was to be called the temple. But until it was permanent, they had a portable church, a set-up-and-take-down church called the tabernacle. And they never knew when it was going to move. God moved because God was leading them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. So he just, he just stopped. They'd make sure he was good and stopped, and they'd set it all up. And they could stay there a while, and then all of a sudden that, that cloud would just go, and they're like, pack up, pack up, pack up. You know, so they had to catch up with God. Okay. Okay. So it was a setup takedown. It was a, and and it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a portable kind of a, a facility, if you will, and then God gave this instruction in Exodus. He said, have the people of Israel build me this holy sanctuary, this tabernacle. Watch the motivation so I can live among them. And you must build this tabernacle and it's furnishing exactly to the pattern I will show you. And I've asked them to put it on the screen here. And I hate things behind me because it shows that bald spot. Y'all see it right now? Okay, last time. Okay. Okay. But this is what it would have looked like. So it didn't have a top. It was a tent that didn't have a top except that it had another smaller rectangular tent inside the tent, and it was called the holy place. And then that tent was split in half, and it had a curtain in the half of the little tent in the inside, and that's the veil. So you remember the verse that when Jesus died, the veil was torn? Okay, that was, there was a veil, there was another curtain on the inside. And in this tabernacle, there were six pieces of furniture. You're only seeing two because there were four on the inside, three in the first half, and then one on the other side of the curtain. So that's where it kind of gets complicated. But here, here's the thought. God, God was over the last piece of furniture. It was the Ark of the Covenant. God was over that piece of furniture, okay? And, and he had these angels. In fact, if you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, it looked just like that. They did a perfect job of it, except your face will not melt off. Come on, say amen right there, okay. <laughs> But God, that's where that cloud or fire was. It was hovering over what was called the mercy seat. 
between those two angels. Those two angels were covering their, their eyes with their wings stretched out. It's a beautiful thing. But you couldn't go straight in there. And here's what I want you to hear. Most people try to just go straight into God. Okay, I got, I got a minute and a half. I, I got a headache. Um, my wife's, she's losing her job. Um, my daughter, she's sick. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And just like any other relationship, that's rude. It's just rude. And you got to know that God does not want to be your celestial Santa Claus. He's not there, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. That is not his role in your life. He is a God who desperately wants to spend time with you. In fact, he's jealous for your time. And I need somebody in this room, especially you pastors who are still here, you need to hear this. God is jealous for your time. He sees who you give your love to, and it bothers him. He wants to spend time with you. And the Bible says in Exodus 33 that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And that's the picture I want you to get. Let that screen right now just burn in your mind and your heart. This is what God wants. He wants to spend time with you in that kind of way. And so, Halston, why don't you come on out and pray for me, my brother. He's back there somewhere, I hope. All right, are you back there? Bring, bring me a psalmist. There you go. Y'all give it up for our, our piano player back here, our worshiper. That was so weak. Give the man a hand, everybody. <laughs> All right, baby. Go in the key of D for me. I used to lead worship in church, so I know what I'm doing. All right, so, all right. And just kind of hang with me. Just, just, just disappear, but play. Like, keep it there, all right? Because I'm going to take you through the furniture now. So, so actually, before you got to the first piece of furniture, the Bible says that when you came into that tent, it was called the gates. And you were to enter those gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Meaning, before you ever ask God for anything else, you would thank him for what he's already done. And here's the first thing. Put it on the screen for him, guys. The outer court. It's called the outer court. Just like give God thanks. And I want to teach you something. That before you ever like get into your prayer time, if you'll start every time with a fresh reason why you just thank God. God, today, I just want to glorify your name, Lord. I don't think I've ever thanked you for my friend Jeff. And God, you have blessed me so many with so many incredible friends who love me. And God, I want to thank you that you've blessed me with the great friendship. Just anything. Just I'm not going to go into business with God before I first say, thank you. Thank you. I enter his gates, Psalm 100, with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I'm going to give thanks to him and bless his name. I had one of my boys um, who does, it's the only, I only have one child who doesn't live in Birmingham. And he never texts, never. But he texted me. And when I saw his name pop up, I'm like, huh, he wants something. Come on, parents, where y'all at, right? He wants something. And, he, and I swear, it, it, it crushed me. Katie, you know, it crushed me. And David said, just wanted to know, you're my hero. I couldn't love you more. I am the luckiest son. This is, he's 28 years old. I'm the luckiest son on the face of the earth to have a dad like you. What do you want? Right? You don't know everybody? Just like... You can have it. Forget the other kids. They're just trash. Well, you have it all. You're having it all. And God's no different. He does not want to be treated like, what's next? Like, if you just come in and say, I don't have anything except that I could not wait to spend time with you. And I bless your name. And they would wander over to that brazen altar, show them what it looks like. So it had dead animals, blood everywhere. It was burning. And it was there for the sins of the people. It was called the brazen altar. And it was there to remind us that you're a sinner. And but because of that blood that's on that altar, 
that, that your sins are covered and paid for because of the shed blood of those animals. And it takes us to the second step in our prayer time, and that is to remember the cross. I'm going to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. So I'm not even getting into intercession and prayer, but I pause. And I just thank him for the cross. And actually, in my mind, I picture Jesus on it. And the cross was once and for all. He never has to go back. But we would be remiss not to remember the sacrifice of our Lord. And just remember what he did for you and me. And what I like to do is, is to quote Psalm 103, because to me it shows the fivefold benefit of the cross. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sin. That Jesus, I say, Lord, thank you for forgiving what I did, what I'm doing, and what I will do. You cover my sin, past, present, and future, and he remembers my sin no more. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And then, God, you also heal all my diseases. And healing of a disease isn't just your sicknesses, but it's every place where you are diseased. So that's your anxieties and your fears and your worries. And I just lay my hand on my heart and say, God, today I thank you for the blood of Jesus who forgives my sin, but also heals every place where I have stress, anxiety, fear, worry. God, you're making sure, Lord, I'm free from disease. And by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. And you redeem my life from the pit. So redemption means, redeem, to redeem something means to put it back to its original intent. And so I thank him that he's broken the curse of the devil off my life that I was destined to be a nobody. I'm a C student from, from Louisiana, y'all. I said, not Connecticut. I'm a C student from Louisiana, all right? We 50th on every list there is. Maybe 49th, thank God for Arkansas. Come on, somebody, where y'all at? All right, I'm just saying, but, but I'm saying. <laughs> my best friend lives in Arkansas. That's my little... But I was destined to be a nobody. I was bullied. As a junior higher, I had, scar I had emotional scars. I was acting out in crazy ways. I was headed to a, to a no, to nowhere special. And then he lifted me up out of that miry clay and set my feet on a rock and he broke every curse of the devil off my life. He redeemed me. He redeemed me. Come on, everybody. He redeemed me. And then it says, he crowns me with love and compassion. That means he puts inside of you a nature you are never gonna be able to get on your own. So there's no way I was gonna be loving or nice or have a good attitude, but he transformed me. And I thank him because of the blood, I'm transformed, I'm, I'm a new person. And he satisfies my desires with good things. He blesses me. By the way, he blesses you so you can be a blessing. And I tell God, I don't ever want what I need. I need more than I need. So I can be a blessing to the world around me. And I spend that, that's how I spend time at the cross. Lord, thank you. I'm saved, healed, redeemed, transformed, and blessed by the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen right there. How about thanking him for the blood right now? Just thank him for the blood. And then you would go to this little bowl it had, it had water in it, but watch this. But it also was made of mirrors so that when you went and washed, you saw yourself. And it reminded you of your humanity. And it was called the labor. And it said that before you go to God, you need to clean up a little bit. And so my next stop in the presence of God as I'm working my way closer to him is I go to this washing place and I offer every part of my body to God. So now I'm just going to say, and I, here's how I do it. I start from the top and I go down. Lord, my mind. Today, my mind is not going to think ungodly thoughts. I'm not going to be on other things. I'm going to have my mind stayed on you. It's going to keep me in perfect peace. God, today I'm going to let my mind think of things that are noble, pure, excellent, praiseworthy of a good report. God, my ears to be tuned into the voice 
of, of God, according to John chapter 10, believers, real sheep, know his voice and they turn away from the voice of the devil. Give me that kind of discerning ear today. God, my eyes. The book of Job says, I make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a maiden. Today, Lord God, I make a covenant. I'm not going to be a luster. I'm not going to covet people's things. My eyes are going to be pure eyes. My mouth. Ephesians 4.29 will not speak ungodly things, but only things that build others up. So, Lord, let every word out of my mouth, God, be blessing, never a curse. God, my hands, I'm going to reach out and help. My feet, you're ordering my steps. My body as a living sacrifice to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, offer, offer. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your body. Have you done that? Offer your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Are y'all getting anything out of this, everybody? I'm just taking you through. I don't know why I felt led to do this. I just, I just want to help you get close to the Lord. And I, I add a verse that I pray every single day of my life, Psalm 139, and it goes like this. I pray it every day. Okay, I, I told you the things that I know that are there that shouldn't be there. Now, Holy Spirit, you show me the things I don't know. Put it on the screen for them. Search me. Know me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so I say, I take a moment, I say, Holy Spirit, you want to you you point out something? And then sure enough, oh, I got it, 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 I got it. I got it. I mean, he shows me right away. If you give the Holy Spirit permission to show you something, he'll show you. Just play a song, whatever's in your heart. Pick a song and just play it softly behind me. Would you do that? Think of one. Whatever one you want. In that. There you go. By the way, I pause in the middle of it all and just worship Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name. Y'all want to sing it with me? And nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. And so I've actually built three prayer playlists and they match where I am. So the first one's all thank. The next ones are all about the blood. The next, and I walk myself. By the way, I put these prayer playlists on an app for people to have for free. It's called Pray First. Every one of these pictures of these, this, of the tabernacle or on this app, if you want to go download Pray First, you can see it. And you can walk through the presence of the Lord. Then you go into that tent. I'm going to finish. It's so hard because I love this so much. Are y'all okay out there? So now you're going into that little tent, okay? And remember, there's a first half section and there's a back half section. Real soft behind me. And there's a can. The first thing you'd see is a candlestick. And there's that one you, like the Jewish menorah, you'd see that seven-pronged candlestick. And it would be, they'd be burning, have fire. And the candlestick all throughout Scripture represents the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. And that's where you now invite the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So now I'm going there and I'm saying, I need you to put inside of me, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, today I'm asking you to burn inside of me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Work the fruit of your spirit on the inside of me. I pray Isaiah 11 too, that you would give me the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, knowledge, understanding, and the fear of the Lord inside of me. I need the Holy Spirit's work inside of me. And then I covet the spiritual gifts because the Bible says, covet them. So ask for ones you don't even have. So I ask him to fan into flame the ones I do have and then to give me the ones I just love to have because he said you could covet them. That's 1 Corinthians 14 for you note takers. Covet the spiritual gifts. And then 2 Timothy says, I'm reminding you which, to fan into flame the gift of God that's inside of you. And I'm using every bit of ability and anointing that I have to try to do that to you right now. I'm on this stage right now going, come on, everybody, because you're called. You're called. You're called. 
you have a gift, ma'am. Sir, you have a gift. Sir, you have a gift. Online, you have a gift. Back last row, nobody, you think, think nobody sees you? You have a gift. You're called. Sir, you're called. You're called. You have a gift. You're called. You have a gift. And the Bible says, fan it in a flame. Blow, blow on it. And I say, Holy Spirit, come on, let it come alive on the inside of me. I don't want all those other, I don't want timidity. I don't want, but I want power, love, and a sound mind. Fan into flame the gift of God. Come on, Holy Spirit, blow. Some of y'all came into this room tonight, but you, you, your, your spiritual life was just an ember. Just, there's a little heat there, but it ain't much. I'm trying to blow on you tonight. If you'll just receive it, I'm trying to blow and let the Spirit of God stir on the inside of you. And I believe if you'll give God three seconds of your best praise, He'll do it right now. Come on, everybody. Come on, Holy Spirit, blow, blow, blow. Woo! Come on now. I got to finish, but this press. So you go to the other side of that little room before you get to past the veil. And there's this table that has 12 freshly baked loaves of bread. Everybody say, don't that sound good right now? And it smelled so good, you'd want to get a slab of butter and stay there for three hours. It smelled that good. It was called the table of showbread. And it represents the word of God. And in my prayer time, when I'm doing tabernacle prayer, right in the middle of all this prayer with God, I go to my, the Word, because watch this, because every conversation you have with everybody else isn't just one person talking. You wouldn't just dominate the conversation. And that's where I stop and let God talk to me. And so, Lord, I say, illuminate the Word, now talk to me. Because if you read the Bible... The Bible will read you. It'll do a work on the inside of you. God will speak to you. And I say, God, give me fresh illumination. And I claim the promises and the power that's in the Word of God. And so I actually spent some time with the Lord there just claiming the promise of God. Of course, the Bible says that the Word of God is also a weapon you can use. And then right before you go into the place where the veil would be parted, there was a little square box, put it on the screen for them, that little altar of incense. And they had it burning, and it smelled like bed, bath, and beyond. Come on, somebody. It just, it was awesome. It just, mm. And all throughout Scripture, if you gave me the time, I'll give you 30 verses, where incense also always represents worship. And you say, well, PC, that's what they call me at Highlands, PC, Pastor Chris. Say, PC, we already, we already, we already did that. No, 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 we did praise. Praise. Praise is different than worship. Praise is thanking God for what he did. Worship is loving him for who he is. And the best way to identify, the best way to worship someone is to tell them their name. Their name. But I honor Pastor Jeff. I call him Pastor Jeff. I call him my friend. I call him my hunting buddy. I call him my confidant. I call him the person I can call. See how many different names I gave to him? I ascribed to him. Why? Because I love him. And I started ascribing names. The righteous run to the name of the Lord, and there they find safety. And you can actually worship. Worship his name. Your righteousness. You're my righteousness. You're my sanctifier. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my banner of victory over the devil. You're my provider. You supply everything that I need, Lord. And I worship you for that. I praise you today as my peace. You're Jehovah's Shalom. When all whole world's going crazy, God, I have peace like a river in my soul. And it's all because of you. And I worship his mighty name. Is anybody with me, everybody? And then you'd part through that curtain. And there it is. God. God's right there. But you, you, it's a protocol. It's intimacy. And I'm, now I'm close to God. And the Bible says that when you got to the Ark of the Covenant, and there it is, that we're, we're there where God is. Now, I'm there to make intercession. That's the last thing. I'm now spending time just interceding on behalf of others. And it's there that I don't even take the time to really, God knows my needs. Lord, I'm praying for my nation. And I'm praying for my world. And God, I'm praying for my president. 
And by the way, I don't care what party is in power. Pray for them, bless them, love them. Just speak blessing. Don't curse. Don't curse people. Hate the devil. Love people, everybody. Right? And I pray blessing over our nation, blessing over my family, blessing over my church, and I intercede. And the Bible says, I urge you then in First Timothy that first of all, that prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, but for kings and those in authority, that I might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And I'm not trying to belabor this, but you have four levels of authority you ought to pray for every day. Civil, that's your president, your governor, your mayors, your teachers. Your, don't curse law enforcement. Bless law enforcement. Pray over them. They're out there defending us every day, every night. Come on, give a better amen out there. It's the truth. It's the truth. I'm going to pray for parental authority. I still speak a blessing. My, my dad's in heaven. My mom's in memory care. She doesn't even know who I am. But I prayed for my mom every day when she was conscious of who I am. And I submitted myself every day of my life to my mom, even at 50 years old. Now it's my brother. I have an older brother, and I consider him the patriarch in our family. And I speak blessing over my brother because we ever got in a family situation, Denny gets to make some decisions there. And I submit myself because if you want to have authority, you need to get under authority. Then I pray for church authority. Now, you ought to pray every day for your pastor. Pray blessing. You have no idea. He wouldn't tell you. He's the nicest, funniest guy on the planet. You have no idea how the devil constantly tries to discourage rob, steal, attack because if you strike the shepherd you can scatter the sheep so the devil's going ah, I'll get all them if I can just get him how about we pray for our pastor every single day and bless him. your small group leaders your, the people who stand yeah come on everybody and finally and finally your workplace or if you're a student your school place authority bless your teachers bless your boss I don't like my boss I don't care bless him interceding and if you do that, I'm going to tell you, y'all know, y'all can, can y'all see the power of just walking in the presence of God? And all this is on an app. You can have every one of these pictures, go to get the Pray First app, and there's music with it. You can spend time with God. Hey, everybody, let's get close to Jesus. Stand up on your feet. Because death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. It's the boast of sin and Great. Come on, help me out, team. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Come on, sing it out. Yours is the king. Yours is the king. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name. Come on, give him some New Testament kind of a prayer. Oh, we might. 
magnify your mighty name, Lord. There is none like you, King Jesus. We submit our lives to you. We intercede for others, Lord God. Oh, we praise your mighty name, Lord Jesus. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. You're here tonight, you just need a little fire in your belly. You've lost something. For some of you, you lost your passion. In fact, let me just say it this way. If you could look at a point of your Christian life where you were on, more on fire for God than you are right now, I want you to lift up your hands to God. And I'm just going to ask God to light a fresh fire on the inside of you. And God, all over this room, I'm just speaking life to every spiritual person, Lord God. I blow on that fire that's already in there. And God, we're going to return to our first love and get the passion and the energy and the desire back. Lord, I pray, God, you make their Bible reading times and their prayer times sweet, precious, powerful, and awesome, God. I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Every head bow one more time. Heads Heads bowed, eyes closed, just music very quiet behind me, no one looking around. I don't like to ever close a service without giving somebody a chance to come back to God. And for some of you, maybe even for the first time, you wandered in here, you don't even know how you got here, but God is dealing with you. In fact, right now, your heart's beating out of your chest and you just know this is my moment. I'm gonna tell you something, all your life led to this moment where you could make a decision to begin a brand new year of a person that's gonna go all in with God. And it would be the honor of my life to pray with you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna call you to the front. But I do want you to acknowledge that that's me and I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna give it back to Pastor Jeff. But if you're here tonight, you need Jesus and you need to repent and you need to come back to God and you know you're not living the best version of yourself. It's because you're not giving your all to God. I want you to know that he will not accept a halfway decision. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And if you're ready to surrender completely to the Lord for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to the Lord because you're, you've been away from him, if you're honest with yourself, then I want to pray for you right now. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, God brought you here. Two, everything in your life has led to this moment. Here we go. Three. Lift your hand real high if that's you. All over this room. Hands lifted. People getting saved. I want everybody in this room to join us in prayer together. I want you to say it strong, as strong as you can. Every voice, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sin. Today I receive what you did for me by surrendering myself completely to you. Forgive me, save me, change me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again. And tonight, I surrender myself completely to you. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise together, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.